and welcome to another edition of the Transfer News Central podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Bentley, and I'm once again joined by James. Hello, James. Hi, Johnny. Hope yes. Well, I hope everyone listening is keeping well. Yes, very good. Oh, uh, there's a reason why we haven't been on for a few weeks, and that reason is coronavirus related. Don't worry, we're not ill. It just felt like when we lasted our podcast, um, it the country is essentially descending into a bit of chaos lots of things were going on it didn't feel quite right to you know, follow up that our, our last podcast with another podcast so quickly after again lots and lots and lots of things were going on i mean one one, one term i heard a lot recently which i've never heard in my lifetime was furloughed never heard of furloughed before and then <laughs> i heard i heard about three or four people of my friends i said oh johnny i've been furloughed i says what does that mean and it, so I had to Google it, and um, yeah, it was it was crazy. And my dad came home, and I said, "I said, Dad, what does furloughed mean?" And he goes, "I don't know." He's, and then he got told by someone at work, "What does furloughed?" I mean, it's been crazy. It's been that kind of month where, yeah, lots of crazy things have been going on. I suppose, I suppose, without going into too much detail, if we want, maybe just sort of address to the listeners how we're doing at the moment. So, James, how are you doing at the moment? Well, I'm working from home. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm all the time now, yep. pretty much, uh, and I am well. All my family are well. Mm. No signs of the virus, which is all good. Obviously, um, you know, everyone's I know everyone's struggling a little bit. Everyone's a bit stressed out, a bit kind of, yeah. I don't think mm. everyone, I don't think anyone is is doing brilliantly in terms of no. mental and emotional health. But um, but as well as can be expected. So yeah, how about you? Yeah, well, unprecedented times, and it's good to hear that, um, you know, albeit that it's not quite perfect, as you might expect, that things are going well for you, as as well as could be expected, I guess. Uh, From my side of things, of course, I just sort of touched on this before, I was, as some of our listeners will know, working on the other side of the world in China, doing some uh, work teaching English to children, to adults, and generally being an ambassador for uh, Teach Tefl in China. Recently, they made the decision to cancel our contracts because China closed the borders uh, to their country, meaning we couldn't get across to the country. It leaves me in a little bit of a difficult situation in terms of lots of my things are still in China because when I came back to the UK, I was intending to return to China. However, that doesn't look like it's going to be possible for some time. The silver lining, I guess, to all of it is that at least I'm in quarantine in my home country where even though I can't see my family and friends, I can contact them and, can, uh, you know, via social medias without the use of a VPN. And, you know, I still feel a lot more secure within the comfort of my own home, within the comfort of, you know, you know li- living with my family and, and so forth. If I was on the other side of the world in this situation by myself, it wouldn't feel quite so um, uh, easy. I mean, it's not easy now, but it would be a hell of a lot more difficult, I imagine. So just like you, James, I guess, I think we're both okay, even though the situation is far, really, from being okay as, you know, at the moment. But uh, just, to, just to echo, I'm sure, James, you'll agree that everybody who's listening, we do wish, we do hope that you're all getting by. We hope that... Um, COVID-19 isn't of too much of a detriment to your lives. I'm sure it's, it's affecting everyone, some more than others. But I think it's one of those things, isn't it? It'll be a collective effort from everyone, not just in England, but across the globe. We all need to stick together. We all need to stay sociable, even if we can't, even though we can't see each other. We need to stay sociable. We need to keep our spirits up as much as we can. And together we will beat it. And we can only do it, as I say, as a collective force. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Yeah. We have to work together. We have to all stick together and try and you know, have support for each other because I think everyone's under a bit of stress. So 
we're all going to be a bit on edge and I think we have to have a bit of understanding for each other mm-hmm. and just kind of patience with each other because we're all going to be a bit bit on bit on edge right now and so uh, um, yeah and yeah we just have to wait it out really and um, take all the precautions that we can and be responsible and you know it will pass eventually you know this mm-hmm. will not go on forever but um, it's just going to be a long wait while it does. I mean, I have a C in AS level chemistry, but I'm no scientist, and I'm sure James, you're 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 not uh, necessarily a renowned scientist either. But what we can say is that you know, from from certain, certainly from what what I'm seeing on social media, and certainly just common sense tells me that this will have a massive effect, as I say, on mental health, which I touched on a little bit before. And uh, I think I think as much as beating it scientifically, making sure that everyone uh, we can find a cure, making sure we can beat this virus, as much as as much as that is so important, and it is to to you know overcoming it altogether. So is, as we say, the mental well-being of others. And I think just just before we move on to the football, it's so it's so important to reinforce the importance of uh, remaining connected. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it's really important. I think my social life has actually improved. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I um, <laughs> I'm in Skype calls or Zoom calls almost every single day. Um, yeah, uh, it's very true, isn't it? I mean, even in times of adversity, it's it's always touching when people come out and um, and and sort of hold hold their branches out as forms of social contact. Um, it it's, it can only be heartwarming. So I imagine you're you're really happy with all these Zoom calls and so forth. Yes, it's, it's like home for me. Yeah, I've never played so much PS4 in my life. Uh, but but again, I only play. I, I'm not a massive gamer. But it's 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 also reassuring just to have some friends in a party and just to play whatever is available on on the console. And um, you know, as as I say, that's uh, it's always it, the 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 idea of friends and family. We sometimes get brushed under the carpet. Sometimes get taken for granted. Well, they don't in times like this. And uh, you know, if 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 when we come out of this, I hope that we continue that that we have a a, a fresh outlook of friends and family, not to take them for granted because they are so important you know for every single person anyway that was quite important to um to address i think you know stay everyone stay safe stay connected and together we'll get through this um you know sooner rather than later hopefully but for the foreseeable uh we're still footballers we're still in a situation of quite a lot of uncertainty but one situation again as i say in in, in that uncertainty is the Premier League season, how does it finish? Does it finish? Should it be voided? Do Liverpool deserve the title? Should we get rid of it and all laugh? That wouldn't be very nice. It's, um, it, it's a really crazy situation at the moment. I mean, first and foremost, James, do you think it's vital that we finish the season? And there's a lot of questions that I can fire at you now, but on the, on the, on the surface level, is it vital that we finish this current season? See, I've changed my mind on this because a few <laughs> weeks ago I was, well, you know, the most important thing is you know, people's health and, you know, this is an emergency and surely we can find a way to finish the season and make sure everyone is satisfied. But it looks like, to, well, from what I've been reading, there are certain clubs that might go out of business if that um, And, you know, there are clubs that um, wouldn't survive if we don't finish the season, uh, Burnley being one of them. Uh, that's why I sniggered slightly. And, I mean, uh, it... So are we, given that situation, I'm like, well, OK, we need to finish the season because it's... Mm-hmm. Because I don't want any football clubs going out of business because of coronavirus. No. Um, it's just a matter of when and how we finish the season, um, I think. And, you know, that depends on with that depends on what on how this turns out. You know, if um, I mean, I, I think we need to just wait and see rather than kind of just do it as soon as possible, mm-hmm. because the most important thing is um, getting past the worst of it and getting uh, and you know, getting those recovery rates up and 
um, and the number of cases down as as much as possible and however long that takes. So once 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 we're at that place, whenever that is, then we can talk about resuming the season. Yeah, absolutely, James. I completely agree. I I, I think it's quite farcical that people seem to forget that human lives come first, uh, come first beyond football. Football is a very distant second when it comes to yeah. the lives the lives and safety of uh, of the of our population of the of the global population i do think uh would, you touched on the the, the going bus situation because i've read i also read this article and uh, i know it was my club which is why i sniggered and i didn't snigger because i want my club to go bust i sniggered because the article may have been slightly misleading and um of course uh re- more recent comments particularly from sean dyche have sort of downplayed that particular no, I, article. I didn't see uh, no, it's okay, James, because most people are still going on Twitter and sort of suggesting that Burnley could go bust. It's unlikely to happen because of how well ran the club are financially. And even if the club did need to recoup the £50 million pounds that, that, is, that they would supposedly lose, you know, there's quite a few star assets there Dwight McNeil, James Tarkovsky, Nick Pope that could probably go a long way to funding that if, if the worst came to the worst. But it's, you know, I, I do think. It's unlikely to be so drastic, and as we say, more recent comments suggest that maybe the chairman at the time, the chairman Mike Garlick, when he was asked about this at the time, it was pretty much an immediate reaction to the news that the season to the to these financial to the to, to the potential financial issues coming. So he, he was reacting almost immediately to the figures what he'd seen and. He hadn't really digested the information too much, as, as we say. Sean Dyche, much more level-headed. A few days later. It would be difficult, I think he said, but it wouldn't. It probably wouldn't lead to the club going bust. It was probably a slight overreaction. But we'll come on to we'll come on to uh, the the financial issues with clubs in a second. I asked you, should we finish the season or not, and you weren't so sure. So just take it out of just take it out that idea of, of clubs going bust in the Premier League. Um, I think it'd be a lot worse actually for for clubs closer to da- closer down the bottom if they weren't given uh, suitable financial um, sort of safety nets. And obviously the grassroots, you, you worry about those who rely on. Uh, match incomes and general just general general money week in week out from people who buy pies passes tickets beers you know they, they, that's how their clubs run but just on a just on a level look at it from maybe a liverpool perspective who just recently um, decided not to furlough their players with they decided to act, uh, sorry players um general staff they decided to pay their, their their staff now after a lot of criticism had come their way can you see why for, for clubs at the top like liverpool that they feel that the season must be played out or do you think again do, or, or would you or would you push to humanity humanity first and foremost in that regard with a club like liverpool of course they're not going to lose out necessarily in terms of going bust but they could lose out in terms of silverware well yeah i mean liverpool that's a very uh, yeah, that's a very difficult one. They, to me, and I think a lot of people agree with this actually across the board. But Liverpool probably deserve. Mm. They're only three wins away from winning it. <laughs> to be fair, mm. you know the chances of them losing it are very very small. <laughs> mm. Yeah, probably about 0.1 percent. Yep, I would say. <laughs> but that that that's football though, James. Anything could happen. Yeah, exactly. That's right. It's possible. <laughs> that's the thing. Um, if we were to stop the season. Then they, th- I would, I would, I would, and I don't like Liverpool. I'm mm-hmm. not a Liverpool. I, I, I despise Liverpool, but um, for a Chelsea, a Chelsea fan, but um, <laughs> neutrality, but, James. Um, neutrality. But, but, but I'm happy, but but I think they just, but you know, I would be happy if they were awarded the title now because they deserve it. They've been the best team over the season in the Premier League, and I don't think anyone's going to catch them. Uh, so, yeah, I would, but I think, I mean, if we if we do end up finishing the season, 
they will win. They will win it. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I don't particularly like how they've acted recently in regards to the furloughing and the um, furloughing as it is now. And I know they've, they've changed their mind and apologised, but <laughs> the damage has been done, to be honest. I think, uh, and Tottenham Hotspur and Newcastle as well, I think, have been the same. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's not acceptable, really. Yep. Uh, so, And I'm seeing journalists tonight on social media all out praising Liverpool for <laughs> what they should have done in the first place, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is a bit distasteful for me. But, um, but yeah, so... But yes, in terms of the football, Liverpool deserve to win the title. That's yeah, absolutely no no question for me. Well, in Belgium, of course, they actually they had they were the first, I think, in in Europe to suspend the league, and they, I think they gave the title to um I think I think they gave it to Club Bruges, didn't they? Because they were the out they were the obvious you know winners. They were miles ahead of the rest of the pack. I don't think there is a head of as ahead as Liverpool they might have been I'm not sure but they suspended the season and they gave um, the title to, to Club Bruges so th- you know th- that was sort of an indicator oh well you know if, if Belgium have done that then maybe we could follow suit blah 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 uh, but I'm with you I mean I don't think there'd be anyone really too hard pressed against against giving Liverpool the title given the current situation I think one thing that might upset Liverpool is if they got the title and it had an asterisk next to it an asterisk and it sort of said the the season was not finished but they won by default kind of thing could you understand if you were a Liverpool fan that you might be a bit upset in not finishing the season and having the asterisk next to your name or would or would you just say you know what this is a tragic situation it's better than you know what what could happen if the season was voided I don't think you'd be human if you, as a football fan, were dis- weren't disappointed that, <laughs> that, that that you didn't get to see that asterisk. With, you know, next mm. year. You know, it's it's a, there's something about there's something about about and having experienced this as a fan, winning, mm. the, winning the league, it's it, it does mean something. Those little things mean something. But in the bigger picture, the most important thing is human life mm. uh, and people being well and preventing the spread of the pandemic. So, mm. yeah. Um, it's, it's it's not. I mean, to me, there's no easy answers with this at all. Nope. That's uh, why we ask the questions. Yeah, and oh, and sure. also because of the, the amount of money that's involved as well, and in particular with the lower league clubs, um, and how mm-hmm. that filters down. And that's, I mean, to be honest, that's more concerning than the Premier yeah. League because yep. those clubs really do need that money. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where that come. I suppose we'll come on to this, but the wage cut thing. I mean, like Premier League players taking a pay cut. I can understand, but when you go down the lower leagues, you know, this is, you know, they're just on, they're kind of on the salary that most of us are on. Mm-hmm. Down the day and you get down to the lower leagues, so they can't take a 30% pay cut. Um, so it's, it's, so I understand why they said they shouldn't do that, but I think when you're, I mean, I've seen Chelsea players give 30% of their salary to the Chelsea Foundation, which, do, which is doing a lot of work, I think, with, um, helping people fight the virus it's helped doing a lot of work with domestic violence i think right now they're doing a lot of work supporting people who are because there's been an increase in domestic violence as a result of the coronavirus and people staying at home so uh, little things like that and there's different clubs are doing different things you know i mean uh, manchester city and chelsea have both allowed their, their facilities to be used for nhs staff i think which is mm-hmm. great um, and there's things like that that are happening. Manchester United have done some stuff as well. So there's a few clubs that are doing some really good things. Um, and yeah, it's just a very delicate situation. I mean, with the players in particular, I find it bizarre that that many of them still earn the the wages that they earn. And I don't I don't mean it to 
sort of because I know Matt Han- Hancock's come in and sort of said some interesting um, things that that have ne- they've probably backfired in his case and rightly so because he was sort of trying to deflect away from his own position and target someone else in some kind of hate particular hate hate attack against a particular group of players. It hasn't really worked because more people have come out in defence. I think of Premier League football. There's lots of which do contribute, as you say, with Chelsea and with uh, with Chelsea players uh, helping out. And I know Burnley players have certainly done their bit to help out in the local community. The club initiative has been to ring up elderly supporters or supporters of the club who have been disadvantaged in some way and uh, that's been a really nice thing to see Everton have done something similar Carlo Ancelotti I think ran uh, a local fan and that was that was a really nice touching uh, video that was, that they put on social media but I am surprised a little bit though that some I don't know how it would work but maybe the Premier League or all the big all the big organizations in charge of the leagues ha- didn't put something in place maybe you know that players had to immediately earn it if they were over a certain amount, maybe a third of the wage, because again, they they are, you know, some people are still earning about two hundred, two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, you know, a week, and they're not doing anything. And I know it's it, it's not supposed to be an attack like they had the attack, like like the attack that came their way, but it does still surprise me a little bit that maybe there wasn't a bit of intervention there, because or or, or it's a really hard one. I, I mean, it, I, I, it it's one of those, isn't it, where. It, because I'm starting to sound like what the what the government were alluding to, I'm start, It's almost like I'm attacking the players, which I'm not doing. But it does seem crazy that that they can still earn these these crazy wages, and then uh, and no one really stepped in. Because if the heads of the divisions sort of came in and said, "You must earn, you must take pay cut, pay cut, pay cut," they could, the players couldn't argue. I know there was, there was an argument somewhere where where they were saying the heads of clubs should be saying should be giving the players pay cuts respectively and maybe redistributing that money somewhere else. But then if they did that, the players could revolt and they they, they could get frust- they could say, "Well, hang on, my friend at the other club isn't getting a pay cut. The club are treating him better." And it's a really it's a really strange situation. But what do you what do you think about that? What do you think about um, sort of this? apparent attack on, on players not choosing I think to it's unfair because it is because yeah. players are not football players are not the only people who have lots of money quite frankly there's a lot of other people who have a lot of money yeah <laughs> what about no. you know what about millionaires billionaires yeah you know, what about the owner of amazon what about yeah. you know what about um film stars what about mm-hmm. you know you, you, if you say it about, about one you can't you could you have to say about everybody you can't yeah. just you can't just pick on one now i'm, I'm of the view that if it might be a good idea for a player to take a cut in salary and you mm. can give the money to the NHS or you can give the money to support lower league clubs that are struggling because of because of what's happened or something like that. You know, yeah. that but at the same but but for yeah, I mean the way the government have to to pick that out is not, mm. not helpful. No. I know he was just responding to a question from, from the media. Mm. Um, but nevertheless that wasn't probably wasn't the most tactful thing to do. No. Um and I don't think it was handled well. <laughs> it would it, it would have been I, I I I was sort of rambling the point before and I was trying to sort of construct this because I've been thinking it for a while but it would be good wouldn't it I suppose if the Premier League or or the EFL said right you must only pay players above a certain wage a third of this wage because again someone on say 180,000 would be then earning 60,000 a week and it would and you know that that other 60 percent or two the other two-thirds of that wage for example could be again put towards some kind of you know as we say helping out a, a smaller club of, of sorts but again I, I i agree it was quite it didn't work from the government's point of view because again it's sort of targeting and prodding a group with a stick whilst having a blind eye to another set of uh, uh, another group but i guess i i don't know there, there is a nice idea that the, the the big boys at the top 
can help the smaller boys at the bottom because football is not just an elite sport is it for elite people it's one that goes from the top to the bottom it goes to grassroots grassroots are just as important really as the premier league because they enrich communities they across the country we see good good honest football being played below the leagues and there is a real risk if this coronavirus carries on for months and months and seasons aren't sorted etc that that it will be devastating and i were talking about burnley before and maybe that was slightly overblown a little bit going bust but the reality is quite different isn't it for those in grassroots yeah i mean i think i actually think that'd be a very clever clever idea because you then say okay yes players are giving up their salary mm. but it's to help football exactly you know, it's it's to help like because it's football family you know mm. and that's what needs to happen right now everyone working together it's not like these players are going to are going to suffer if they have to give up no. no. their you know if you're earning 180 grand a week then giving up giving up 60 grand a week is not going to no, kill no. you it's going to be earning 120 grand a week so uh and you can imagine how much that i mean that money that money going to lower league clubs is a lifeline you know, so, so I think there's a, there's a way you could you could structure that if you did it properly. I, I agree with the structure. It that, that was sort of what I was trying to get across. But I do think if the club did it, then you might get some people say, "Whoa, my friend, as I say, is earning this much at this club." So it, the clubs would be scared to upset the players. It'd have to be done by the, the 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 governing bodies of the league, wouldn't it? Essentially, the Premier League say, "Look, there's an initiative that we can save grassroots." And if you put that forward morally, players earning a ridiculous amount of money. Of, would be saying would, would sort of be in a dilemma that even just from a PR perspective they'd think you'd imagine the teams would be saying oh you should probably do this it's not going to look too good if you don't do this you can survive comfortably if you don't and then through that sort of initiative I'm sure many people would by the way um, sign up to do that if, if it was on the table if they realised that they were helping a club potentially with with, with uh, that's been playing for many years it, it, in outside of the league if they were helping that club to survive i'm sure when you put it on the table like that 99 percent of footballers earning ridiculous salaries will go you know what i will do that because again it's a, it's a really good cause uh, as we say we're talking a lot about the nhs and that needs to you know that's a, a massive cause I'm sure everyone or many of us were, were applauding their uh, their services because they're they're a, it's a fantastic service uh, full of fantastic people that work there and it's rightly right that we t- we talk about that extensively and, and the need for it to be funded and the need for it to to get the proper respect that it deserves but at the same time we can't forget as we say in sport all these clubs that all, all these smaller clubs that that, that could be potentially on on the ruin. Do you think there's a way? If, I know that was a hypothetical point, but have you got any ideas, James, how we could combat cl- smaller clubs from from just liquidating or going bust? Is, there, is is should it be down to the government? Should it be down to the lower league uh, governing bodies, or is it something where the Premier League really need to step in and maybe take a bit of responsibility? I, I mean, I, I, I've thought this for a while, even before this happened. Mm. There's so much money in the Premier League that mm-hmm. it's almost irresponsible not to not for that money for that money not. For more of that money not to pass down to mm. lower clubs, especially ones that are going out of business. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, it's not like it's going to wreck the budgets of big clubs. No, it's not. Um, even if you gave an extra twenty million away, that's mm-hmm. a million per club. It's not. It's not a huge amount of money. So I think I think there need needs to be more done to support those lower league clubs. I mean, even even without the virus. Mm. It's something that to be addressed in football that because those lowly clubs are kind of they're the kind of they have a lot of they have they have loyal following they're, they're historic clubs they've been around for a long time mm. 
and some of them are kind of very local clubs, uh, like very community-based clubs. They're mm. a big part of their local local local, local communities, mm. and it'll be a, it's a disaster if if they go out of business. And also, people are employed by those clubs, mm. and it's not like they're not like other footballers who can just go and get a big move to another club or whatever. Mm. These these guys are earning like like what we're earning, and they have mortgages. Mm. So it's um. Yeah, something more needs to be done. I think, hopefully, hopefully they'll reflect on what's happening and they'll start. They'll they'll decide to do something because I've not been impressed with the Premier League in the no. last few months. I, I, their kind of priorities have been a bit exposed. Mm. To me, it looks like they they care more about money than anything else. They mm-hmm. they care more about money than people's health, more mm. about money than players' welfare because they're saying, oh, you can just go and start playing again. <laughs> Yeah. To, your, to, to injuries or anything like that because players need to start training again they need to get match fit again can't, they can't just suddenly resume out of nowhere but mm. the Premier League don't seem to care about all of mm. that um, they don't seem to care about the fans because you know football football in an empty stadium yeah agree right? agree it's just the, the Premier League are just have embarrassed themselves really they don't they sure they don't have this idea about playing the Premier League in China as well <laughs> They don't, well, they don't care about football fans. They don't care about the players. They don't care. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't care. Or at least they're not showing it anyway. They, they I'm care. glad you brought they're that up. Their priority is money, and that's that's wrong. I don't like it. <laughs> well, no, actually, Jay, you, uh, I'm glad you brought the China thing up because I'm going to do a bit of a counter argument because I wrote a counter argument earlier this week. But I. Um... I, I, there's a, there's a, you raise an interesting point about the Premier League's priorities and things, and the, and the, uh, the, the, the divide really between the Premier League and we, uh, the huge divide between the Premier League and, and the non-league. The divide is huge between the Premier League and the Championship. I mean, the ridiculously, it's so ridiculously difficult now to go from the Championship and survive in the Premier League. The divide has never been bigger because as the Championship money, though it's there, and and and, and Championship clubs are gen- generally quite. They do, they do okay for themselves. It's ridiculous. It's like, it's. I suppose it's like, um, I don't know. It's, I suppose the pre, if, you, if Premier League's sort of Hollywood or something, you know, uh, the, where where they where all the celebrities live in 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 the in the hills in the in the in the wonderful houses. I suppose the championships where you're just on the side of Hollywood and you sort of and and you're working it. You're working to try and earn your trade in uh, as as a waiter, as a as a barmaid or something like that. I mean, you can see it, but it's completely different when you get there. Just to survive there, it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, so something has to be done to 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 limit that um, divide between uh, not only between the very bottom and the very top, but even between the second and the first division because it's very very big even at the moment and you're quite right to bring up quite a few points there that you just mentioned you but but i will i will push you on the china one actually because that was an interesting thing i wrote a piece on this uh earlier this week and it was raised by the athletic that um there was uh several options on the board as to how to potentially finish this premier league season i'm going to go with my prefer i'm going to tell you my idea in a bit or at least something that i've been looking at on twitter but we'll go with this china idea for now one of the issues one of the ideas raised was apparently that to play the rest of the season in china um it'd be done over the coming months uh, i imagine june july or, or whenever and it'd be done china is uh, as many reports have said and 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 just looking on the news, it, it's quite clear China's ahead of most other countries now with regards to their response to the coronavirus. They're opening up, bars are open, clubs are open. Um, I know this because I still know some people in Shenzhen and they can confirm that's true. Normal life's not quite resumed, but it's on the way to being resumed. So they're quite a way ahead. Although they've closed the borders, that's to stop um, the virus returning. 
I get your points, James. In in a counter argument, I would say it's in in a in a way slightly slightly something I I talk about with regards to the Qatar World Cup as well. That we have a lot of, I think a lot of people that that have issues with China with Qatar and things. They say, well, I don't like the way politically they are they they run as a country. It's very different um, ethically to how. We live our lives in, in, in the Western world. Um, it, you know, with regards to the Qatar World Cup, many people have issues with it. It felt like a corrupt, co- corrupted bid. It felt like something that shouldn't have happened. And maybe, maybe it was. Maybe FIFA were um, s- somewhat bribed in a way, as some people uh, uh, are led to believe. But I would say that even in these countries, there's a vast amount of people that have a love for football, and there'll be a vast amount of people that just go about their daily lives and have nothing to do with the with the, with the government um, and, and and the ideology that that they have to sort of live by. Uh, I know from China when I when I when I worked in China, there were so many football fans who were in awe of in, in awe of the Western world's game. They they love the Premier League. They love. European football in general, and um, they were just lovely, lovely people. And I found that with most Chinese people, most Chinese people, there's going to be many stereotypes coming out of this of this COVID nineteen situation, which is horrible, by the way. Um, lots of nasty, negative images of, of Chinese people. So, so wrong. Uh, yeah. So very different to yeah. what I felt. The idea for them, I can imagine, to have the opportunity to attend Premier League games on their in their own country would be. I think I think they'd, they'd be like ch- children at Christmas, and I see this. You know, I see the Premier League as a, as a it's a, it's our game, but it's a global game. It, it's something that uh, excites fans all over the world. And I know in China that there's a there's a huge football love now. Uh, President Xi uh, wants to win the World Cup by 2050. When I went there, honestly, there were there were football pictures and and uh, football games going on everywhere. I looked often, along with basketball, those two sports dominate the country now. Uh, there's a massive football loving, as I say, and I would love to, you know, as much as it, as much as I can see the arguments that you're probably about to raise, and I get all of them because that's what I would have thought before going to China. But when I was there, I thought, God, it would be incredible for this population to some way have this opportunity to to experience the football that we experience to to see the players from the stadiums that we see that we take for granted and this now being the situation that it is a situation that's so unprecedented that, that there's no real answer to solving this represents a, a, somewhat of a an opportunity for that to happen uh, and i wouldn't be totally against it but now yeah. i'm sure you're ready to hit me i'm not against playing playing Premier League football in China I think it's I'm not totally against that but it's more this it's more their justification for it that, 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 that annoys me it's like they want to do it there because because it's the only way they can finish the season and <laughs> because they're more concerned about finishing the season and whatever rather than oh let you know let's let's do a round of games in China yeah I understand just, just as a kind of as a general kind of principle, let's do a whole round of Premier League games in China because it will promote the Premier League, which would be a great idea. Yeah, no. Uh, but, sure, say, sure. Oh, but I think the motivation behind it is not. Wasn't oh, I, I agree. That's that's what I mean. That that's what I was really critical of. Not mm. not the idea of playing in China itself, because well, I mean, I agree with you in many ways that it, it might be a good thing uh, for the game. You know, well, I mean, more sponsorship. It might bring in. You know, it might. Yeah, it'll just be, it'll just be. It might be good for the game. So. Yeah. You, no, I, I I agree with you, James. I think, to be honest, uh, the only reason I say I'd be, I'd be kind of for it and don't think you should rule it out, as I say, I don't think, uh, in, in this particular situation, while the 
while the particular motives for doing it might not be uh, what we want, it does, you know, offer, as we say, a, a lot of joy and hope to 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 people over uh, on the other side of the world that wouldn't be able to experience that otherwise. Really, I think it echoes. I was thinking actually because um, Spain play uh, in 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 Spain they played the Copa del Rey. I think in uh, the latter stages in in Saudi Arabia, didn't they? I believe they played it in Saudi Arabia. Um, the and that came in for some criticism because again in it, the country the 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 place itself does have it's going to have some negative criticisms that are often quite racially motivated but it's it, again it's wrong i think to 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 just to paint everyone in that light just like in china there's going to be a massive amount of people that would love the opportunity to see world class performers and as i say they won't be able to do that as easily as as easily as those people from the west so again i i think globalizing the game and 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 is is good for them but also like you say marketing deals i mean clubs could actually make money from it if if we did this yes they could they could absolutely i mean yeah i mean sponsorship is a big thing you you, you make tons of money uh the premier league would get more sponsors from china clubs would get more sponsors from china uh so it, it would and, and it would just broaden the appeal of, of, of the league Jim? yeah uh, i i, I can, can you see the argument from a uh, the, the one argument that po- possibly stands out is a supporter who's been there will be some supporters that have been on every match for I don't know 20 to 30 years or something I know there's a there's a Burnley fan called Dave Burnley who's been on apparently at least I think he's been on every single game for a long 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 time he might may have missed one but I don't think he has he's been on every single game home and away uh, in the cup in the league and um, for him, for the for if if this if the if the games were to move to China would that be um, fair? For people like him who've been so loyal and so dedicated, they'd, they'd be devastated if they ever missed a game. Or is is that compromising them? Or do we do we? I don't know. I don't really. I think you know what I'm saying. I'm not sure quite how to finish the how you point. Do it. You'd have to. It'd have to be. Yeah. I mean, all the Premier League clubs would have to agree to it because, mm. and the ones who would miss out on gate receipts, yeah, be compensated. That's something you could probably get around. Mm. Um, it's, if it was one game, it was planned in advance. You could mm. get it. For sure. Well, as we say, I mean, the money that the clubs could make from gate receipts over in the other country, from sponsorship deals, from shirt sales that would go crazy in the country, I know for a fact. The, you know, I, I'm sure they could get around that, as we say, and that shouldn't be too much, too, wouldn't, wouldn't be too much of a problem. But that's, that's sort of a radical kind of look at things. I mean, my ideas, which I'll let you scrutinise, which I've sort of had a look on, on social media about, would be, I personally don't think the way, it's just a feeling maybe, and, and just looking at reading news sources, looking at how the other, all the rest of the world's responding to it. I'd be shocked if pubs and bars were open before July. And I'd be shocked if we were out of the situation we're in, as I say, before July. I can't imagine normality really starting to kick in for a good few months yet. So the idea that we sort of play these games either overseas or behind closed doors seems a bit crazy because, one... As you alluded to before, James, football's not really anything with the fans watching uh, on television or in or in the stadium. You 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 it, there's, you you enjoy almost seeing packed arenas, packed stadiums, full of passionate supporters. To watch it behind closed doors, where you can hear everyone shout to the teammates, just seems wrong anyway. I think, especially for an elongated amount of time. And not only that, you've got players then who would be 
could potentially pick up coronavirus playing football. It's a contact sport where people are going to probably spread germs on the football field, whether they like it or not. They're putting their families at risk, uh, in a sense, by returning to their job uh, playing football um, when it's not really safe to do so. Because I can't do you just before I get on to my idea, do you honestly think we'll be seeing normality by June slash uh, you know, late May slash early June, when <laughs> propositions have been put forward to start playing games again. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I, I, I want to say this actually. I said this before. What we what we think of as normal is yeah. over, right? That that we're never going to go back to that. That should be on the film, but, James. Um, we, we we've got a new normal now, which is this. What, what's mm. going on now? And then when yeah. this is over, there'll be a there'll be a new normal, and that'll be because the world everything has changed. Yeah. You know? This sounds a bit of more of a philosophical kind of thing. No, go, 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 go. But, um, but, 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 you know, the world has changed. Everything has changed. Now, I mean, in terms of football, in terms of playing the season when we normally play the season, mm. that will come back. Yeah, that will yeah. come back. But it won't be till next year, at least. I think it, I think the same, yeah. Um, you know, and we won't even get back to a regular routine until later this year at, at, at the earliest. Uh, and even then, I think things are going to change. I mean, my job, you know, I'll be transitioning to working from home anyway. Okay. Um, even if, uh, even if uh, we go back to, to work as normal, you know, I mean, I, I may go into the office a little bit more, but, but we were trans, we were transitioning anyway. It's just sped up what we were already doing, and I think a lot more people will be working from home after this. That's just one change that we'll see. So, I mean, there'll be a lot of other things, and just the whole mindset of people will, will be different because even when they go out, people will be much more appreciative. Uh, much more nervous about approaching people, you know, all of that. Kind oh, of, yeah, yeah. There will still sure, be all sure. those precautions in place about social distancing. People will mm -hmm. still be naturally nervous about it. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be different. Um, we'll have to go out in hazmat suits, James. Sorry? Uh, we'll have to go out in hazmat suits next <laughs> obviously no i'm sure but i know i take your point completely and also i think you you talk about that i mean even when suppose when lockdown is ended and things slowly start to open there's two things you really got to consider i imagine the first thought on many people's um you know agendas is to meet up with friends to meet up with family to meet up with partners or lovers who this now separated from and that comes into play before we even start thinking about football i'd like to think anyway there'll be some there'll be someone who's desperate still to uh, for the season to kick off but i think in the majority of people's eyes the, the f most important thing will be uh, even though there'll be that initial sort of as you've alluded to that initial nervousness i imagine there'll be a lot of people still that want to just they'll, they'll be they'll be you know chomping at the bit to to start socializing face to face again because again, it, it, it's it's about as we say, not take you know something we may have t taken for granted before is something that, like we're talking about a new normal. I don't think it'll be taken for granted for a long time. The ability to socialise, to you know, to meet with family, to meet with friends, to meet with partners, it, it's something that that people will be so eager for now. I think I think football can wait a bit bit longer again, can't it? Surely, it can. I think it can. Yeah. Yeah, and, and just on and you alluded to it earlier. Players need five weeks straight. Well, Sean Dyche says, and Sean Dyche likes his players re fit and ready. I was I was watching a uh, piece with him uh, recently, and he says you need five weeks minimum to get players fit and ready again after this because they're only doing light training at the moment. They need so it's as you say, it's farcical to imagine getting players to go from just just about on the periphery of of being fit to go on runs or whatever and then suddenly oh you're going to play a game you can't do that i mean everyone would get injured wouldn't they surely yeah exactly That's so right. there's that there's those two things to put into context we've just sort of said that normality is going to take as we say normality is changing all the time by june july i don't think this that will have 
sort of got around this situation because we know we're behind some other countries in how we've dealt with the situation anyway so we're probably going to be playing catch up a little bit so my idea sort of was look to sort of think well maybe play the remainder of this season in october no september october november time whether that be maybe behind closed doors or or, or with a restrict or, or in some manner because at that point we've, we're going to be quite a bit down the line we could assess the situation then and ideally hopefully manage to play out the rest of the season at that point and then by january start the season the new season hopefully with december having a you know a time for the for the players to, you know, November, December, have the players' time off, recuperate, etc. pre-season. Start the season in January, have a mid-break for the Euros, carry the season on, have the break, have the end of season break, November, December, carry the season, next season on again in January, play through till about October time, and then little break. Then it's the then it's the World Cup, isn't it? It's the World Cup, and then suddenly you play the Qatar World Cup, and it's chronological almost. It's not breaking apart the season, it's at the end of the season. Then after that, then after that's happened you can sort of look to go back to the old ways. Yeah, although that means you'll still have a six-month break after that World Cup, won't you? Because the World Cup's, what, in the, what is it, November, December? No, uh, I, think it's de- I, think, I think it's December, January, isn't it? Oh, well, if it's December, January, then you could legitimately I, have a break. I mean, to be honest with you, I imagine that the good people, at, at, you know, the, the good people who were organising this would be willing to push it back slightly wouldn't they if in that situation it's it, it's christmas that's roughly when it is it's christmas that's when the the, the guidelines are uh, with that but i imagine they could be flexible and maybe push it slightly further forward then it gives us a, it would give everyone a chance to sort of regather themselves get themselves ready again as you say it's still a bit of a gap but um it's it's it, i mean like we say there's no right answer is there but at least i think it's more sensible to think about preparing to finish the season at the start of next season, isn't it? Than trying to finish the season before the start of the supposed next season, then going straight into that. It it just seems all a bit rushed, doesn't it? And stupid. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I absolutely agree. I mean, just just the medical stuff comes first. Mm. And also, the rush though to finish this season when they are trying to finish the season comes from I've been reading that Sky and BT have contracts that have been described as watertight with the Premier League, and what that means is that they cannot get. Um, they cannot play these games that they have scheduled to be played any time after July the 1st or something like along these lines. And that means that Sky and BT were desperate for them to play the remainder of the games in May and June to get the most out of their television rights deal, which kind of makes sense, to be fair. Uh, they spent a lot of money on it. They're not really thinking about human decency so much. But again, there's a lot of companies that will probably think about getting the most out of their rights deals uh, first and foremost. But... I look at that, I think, watertight. I mean, surely the Premier League can look at themselves and say, well, hang on, Sky and BT, you know, you've paid for this contract. There's a lot of games that would you're not going to be able to show. But if we play them later on after July, uh, you know, at the, in, in that period at the start of the season, and we delay the start of the next season, we'll do it for you on the same terms that you initially signed up to. Surely that's common sense. Surely that, in the, in the grand scheme of things, with everything going on, the Premier League could say, you know what, guys, you've paid a lot of money for this. You'll still get the opportunity to uh, showcase the matches when, how and when they when when they come available to us. As opposed to saying, you know what, we're not going to be flexible. If you don't play them before July the 1st, then you've lost you've lost the rights to these games. Mm, yeah. It, it's just, it just seems... I think just the reality is you have to just... Everything has to be fluid right now. You have to just wait and see what happens. But it's not. It, it, they will find a. You can find a way to finish the season. Yeah. You can find a way to fix it all and get it back to some kind of semblance of what we're used to. 
in terms of the football structure uh, yeah. season. Uh, and yeah, I mean, in many ways, the World Cup being in being when it is uh, actually kind of suits things at the moment. Gives us a pivot uh, kind of to work with. It, it, it is, and the Euros being delayed, obviously, mm. uh, as well. So it's uh, it's yeah, it's you know, it's it kind of it kind of could work out. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. <laughs> no, it, it definitely is. And um, it's and you were actually saying, though, James, just it sort of ties in that you were saying that FIFA have announced that they're going to suspend the next season indefinitely across the board. Um, so that's sort of hinting that the remainder of this season may have to be played. Well, when no, we... so what FIFA said is that they all, they, they're basically saying they've given permission for uh, football authorities to kind of continue to, to, to resume this season whenever they can. Yes. So they've extended this season to whenever it can be finished. I think that's sure. what they said. So, mm-hmm. um, and that, and that's, that, I think that's a very, that's a wise thing to do because it means mm-hmm. that every, every, every league is covered. So everybody is, is going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just some, it's not some leagues are finishing and some leagues aren't and some leagues, you know, so you get all confused. It's kind of, and they've also ruled that player contracts can be extended till whenever the season ends. Which is good. Which solves the kind of out of contract thing that yeah you could have with some players, you know. So, well, UEFA as well have suspended their competitions indefinitely as well until they can sort of get some alignment, I guess, with all the European leagues that are going on uh, as well. So that again, it's sensibility a little bit there from two of football's biggest uh, governing bodies, and that's what we really need at the moment: sensible heads and uh, it, 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 and. Because as, as we as we've sort of said, we're in this for quite some time, and there's there's no real way out of that. But on just on on a lighter note, as I sort of as I said to you prior to the starting of this podcast, I think it'd be nice to reflect on one or two nice football things. Um, you know what we've uh, talked a lot there about um, what I would call quite a, a a downbeat topic, really. And I suppose it has to be discussed because that's that's this is the situation what we're in. I think it hopefully provided some good discussion on some of what could potentially happen. And again, me and James don't really know what's going to happen so it was just all it's all spec all speculative speculatory <laughs> nearly got my tongue in a twist there speculatory and I hope that's a word but we'll go back to the um we'll, we'll, go, we'll go back to some positiveness I mean James you're a big Chelsea fan I'm also a big Burnley fan name one particular moment it doesn't have to be Chelsea related actually it could be anyone in fact I'll give you three questions and I'll answer them after who is your favorite player not of the not necessarily playing now, but who's been your one one or two favourite players of your lifetime that you know give you the happiest memories in terms of football? Again, maybe one Chelsea, one non-Chelsea, uh, just a general player. Any particular games that you feel oh uh, holds really sweet memories for you? Again, maybe one or two. Probably going to be Chelsea or England related, but we'll wait and see. And uh, just general football memories because i've seen a lot on social media now of people uh photo seen photographed with a player or they were seen at a they were seen with their family at a pub watching a game any any particular niche memory that you have of football that you'd like to share so those three really in particular so what was the first one uh <laughs> just the players, the players. Uh, yeah 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 okay well i've got to say the original ronaldo at barcelona Mm. Um, I was talking to my friend about him, and my friend today on Twitter yeah, DM'd me and said he was the best striker. Yeah. He that was he's the ever best. Seen. He's still the best striker I've I've seen. Like if he's, I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, think about Mbappe, Omri. He was 
I think he was he's arguably even better than them. Better uh, than Morata. That season yeah. especially at Barcelona, he was unplayable. He was incredible. Um, and yeah, best player in the world by a mile at that point. Yeah. Um, and so that was one. But I mean, in terms of my own, I mean, my my personal favorite player of all time is Frank Lampard. Sure. Um, I mean, an incredible. Yeah, you know, to me, he's the best Premier League midfielder because of the number of goals he scored, number of assists, what he won in the game, number of England. He got 100 England caps, 30 England goals, I think, something like that. And the way that he, but it wasn't just that. It's that he wasn't the most naturally gifted player, but he worked so hard at his game. Um, I remember John Terry has said that he was always out training before everybody else and after everybody else, and and everyone else saw him doing that and everyone else started going out there as well so he was the kind of benchmark for all the Chelsea players of that that kind of great Chelsea team 10 15 years ago yeah. uh, that everyone else followed he was like he, he just spent hours working on his game very intelligent um, and also I've got a lot of respect for him for what happened when his mother died as well I remember playing a Champions League semi-final and someone who's lost a parent and myself uh, I remember he played a Champions League semi-final less than a week after his mother had passed away and had to take a penalty, which was an absolutely crucial penalty. And that moment was one of the most courageous moments I've seen in football because he, like, you know, to take a penalty in that situation when your mother's just passed away and you could, I could see it in his face. And then when he scored the penalty, he, uh, you know, he just kind of broke down. Uh, it was like a release. So for me, he's, he's, he's just, for me, he's one of the, one of the, be- and one of the best players, best footballers I've ever seen. Um, and I, I got to watch him for Chelsea, which was great. You know, it was, um, it was a real privilege um, mm-hmm. to watch him. It wasn't a kind of fashionable player. You know, the fashionable midfielder at the time was Steven Gerrard and whatever. He was the kind of more spectacular player. But Lampard was always my, uh, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of time for him. Uh, great. Mm-hmm. And he was second in the World Player of the Year. People forget that. He was he was runner-up in the Ballon d'Or. Which two, year was that, James? 2006, I think. Yeah, it was one of Fabio Cannavaro won it then, did he? Ronaldinho uh, won it, and uh, Lampard was second. I can't remember who was third. I think Cannavaro won 06 or 07. Well, it was, I, it was 2000, maybe 2005 then, I think. Maybe. Mm, I think it may, it may have been. I think because uh, I do think I think Ronaldinho did win then, didn't he? Yeah, Kakar won just after as well. Yeah, uh, and that that's an incredible achievement for an English player. Yeah, you know. So uh, uh, and you've uh, got to remember, Stephen Gerrard, Wayne Rooney never never got that, never achieved that. So no, no. Uh, and they probably both had more talent than Lampard. So yeah, that, that that's my favourite player. In terms of my favourite football moment, uh, there's a few. I think outside of my club, I think Euro '96 was one of my favourite mm. moments. Just generally the whole tournament because I I was at university at the time. So I was about the same age as you are now. And just the euphoria around it, uh, you know, it was just incredible. And the England-Scotland game, especially, Gaza's goal and everything, it was just, um, that was a great, a great moment. In terms of Chelsea, there's probably the two moments for Chelsea, I suppose, would be 2005 when we won the league for the first time. Mm. You know, that was very emotional because we'd not won it for 50 years. And uh, we were so good that year. Uh, I think Chelsea were probably the best team in Europe that year. Should have won the Champions League that year. If not, if VAR had existed back then, they probably would have won the Champions League. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> which is really ironic. But, but uh, yeah, that when that 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 game against Bolton, one two 0 Frank Lampard got both goals and won the league. That was really kind of a amazing moment. And and winning the Champions League. I mean, when you you've been to Chelsea, you've been to so many semi-finals and 
been knocked out a couple of times. They've been really unlucky not to get to the final. Uh, they lost on penalties in the final in 2008. Uh, so to win it against all the odds, really, because you weren't the favourites at all. And to even get to the final was an achievement because uh, we're not the best team in the competition by any stretch that year. That was that was just... Uh, you can't describe it, really, as a fan. When your team wins... When you're saying, well, you're the champions of Europe, the best team in Europe, you know, you lived in that trophy. It's just... a uh, yeah, it's incredible. It's an incredible feeling, like. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I mean, when that it what it felt like a David versus Goliath, didn't it, in the final when it was Bayern Munich and Chelsea? Yeah. That drug beheader as well. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, incredible. Against Manuel Neuer as well, who's you know very very. Yeah, and the thing was with the drug boy, you knew he was going to score that penalty. You knew, like, mm. it, uh, it was almost like it was fated, kind of, you know, that year with. Everything felt. I had I had friends who were I think Crystal Palace fans, and they watched the final. Yeah, Drogba gave away the penalty in extra time, mm. and then Arlie Robin, who used to play for Chelsea, then stood mm. up and missed it. And I think I think they said they said to me like when that happened, I said your name's on it. You're definitely going to win. <laughs> it's just it's just baited, you know. And then he then for him to take the penalty to win it, especially after he'd been sent off. Mm. In the previous final, and uh, it was just yeah, that was incredible. And it was his last kick as a Chelsea player. Yeah, like, it was... for a year later on, but. You know, at the time it was his last kick as a Chelsea player, and so it was, yeah. I mean, it was a phenomenal Bayern team as well. Like we said, Manuel Neuer in goal, probably. It's a great yeah. team. And they won the Champions League the next year, Bayern. Mm. So... Well, well, Robin, one of the best in the world at that point, he was incredible. And I think he he, he scored the winner, didn't he, in the final the year after against Borussia Dortmund? He did, he did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he was, uh, I think I was really happy for him then, because obviously from a, just a general point of view, to miss a penalty, you know, that would have that would have won him, that won that his team the, the final the season before, would have been devastating. So immense character from him to come back and, and and the way he did and he was absolutely phenomenal for, for club and country a tremendous um tremendous player someone i actually have a lot of respect for because he, he did really well at chelsea he went to real madrid also did really well but when he went to Bayern munich i mean that was really the thing that that, that yeah. he was he was special there for many many years um and a, and a really talented performer i i, I just just uh, occurred to me as well that he did play for chelsea as i just said that so it's ironic go against his chelsea for, yeah uh, yeah really was really important to Chelsea winning the title in 2005. Like, yeah. I hey, hadn't seen a player like that at Chelsea for quite a long time. Uh, he has a bit. Of, he had a bit of hair at Chelsea as well, didn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was a, a long time he ago. Signed him and he lost his hair. Yeah. At 20, it was incredible. He looked old when he was 20. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, but... What was the third? What was the third question? I think you've answered them all, James. I think it was more of a, a ramble from me in terms of just. Oh, actually, no. It was more of a. It was. It was more because we've seen lots of photos of people with players where they where they've met a player or they said, "Oh, this was one of my particular favourite moments." I've seen a lot of people in arms with a professional footballer, manager, or someone oh. related to the game. Is there anyone in particular who you um were had a photo with or had the yeah, opportunity yeah, to speak I mean, to? Last, last year, I went to Stamford Bridge and did a did a stadium tour with Gianfranco Zola. Oh wow, and that was incredible. He is such a gentleman. Yes, such a nice person. Yeah, um, yeah. He shared some really interesting stories. Um, <laughs> yeah, one yeah. of them was um, when he joined Chelsea. He asked for the number ten shirt, which Mark Hughes had at the time, and um, Mark Hughes told him to um, f off, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but, yeah, he's, he's it was he's he's really really made time for people, made time for everyone to get a photo with him, mm-hmm. um, made a point of talking to all the children especially, um, and taking questions and stuff. He's just a, a really great guy, and obviously he's a Chelsea legend as well. So to get my photo with him and talk to him was, was yeah, incredible. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I'll I'll only briefly answer my own questions because uh, again, uh, I you know they were very good answers, and I don't want to take away from any of those. But uh, from my point of view, best players, I've always, I mean, I bought his autobiography, and I think he's a an absolute legend of the game. If not, you're someone, you know, when we're doing team of the decade, I wanted to put him in, even though I didn't think he quite made the mark. But Ibrahimovic is um, the one who I just have a massive amount of respect. I just think he's he, he, the, the things he brings to the game. He's a brilliant player anyway, but his his general demeanor, his attitude, he 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 works so hard. Not maybe not on the pitch all the time, but but the things he puts on, you know, the things he does in training, the things he does behind the scenes. Reading his autobiography, you know, this is a guy that's gone from the bottom. He had a tough upbringing uh, in many ways. Uh, again, if you read, if anyone reads his book, they they know what I mean by that. He had to fight against adversity his entire life, and he was a point in his life when he was young and he was having all these flashy cars and he was l- really living uh, this sort of celebrity lifestyle then he met Mino Raiola who's often sort of you know really attacked by people journalists and everyone and clubs and he's sort of painted as a villain understandably so given some of the things that he said but Mino Raiola's influence on Ibrahimovic was incredible he really turned around a career that was looking promising just 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 on the on the level and he, he pushed him onto that next level made him sell a lot of the luxuries that he had at the time while he was at Ajax made him work 10 times harder than he had been doing in training and ju- just as a just as a note, he's, he's basically a football celebrity and I think he really is. He's entertaining. He's not always right, but he's entertaining. He's a character. He scores lots of goals. He's been to lots of clubs. He's succeeded virtually everywhere. He's gone in some capacity. So I think he's someone who I have a lot of uh, love for uh, outside of Burnley, of course, in England. Uh, from, from a Burnley football club standpoint, I always uh, liked Graham Alexander. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Graham Alexander, but he was uh, a player who'd sort of done the rounds at quite a few clubs, played for uh, Scunthorpe, Preston, and then eventually made his way to Burnley. Um, he was about, I think he was he was in his middle of 30, in the middle of his 30 years. So, I mean, he was he was uh, on the decline, shall we say, but he, Owen Coyle manager at the time. Well, initially he came in, I think, under Steve Cottrell, but he, he didn't really work so too well at right back. Owen Coyle manager after Steve Cottrell moved him into defensive midfield. And it was an absolute revelation. He honestly was so, so good. And I've never seen a player with such composure on a penalty live ever. I mean, I'm sure you'd say Eden Hazard or Jorginho is very good on, on, on from 12 yards. But honestly, I think Graham Alexander, I think he took, he missed one penalty for Burnley, but he barely ever missed a penalty. And he took them with the outside of his boot. He'd run up and he'd hit them way outside of his boot and hit them into the top corner, the, the bottom corner with power, with accuracy. And he was a real, you know, I think he's manager of um, Salford City now, actually. So he's doing, uh, he's just still doing well, still involved in the game. A tremendous guy, really nice guy, apparently. Talked really well in interviews, steady in the midfield, brilliant on penalties. So, yeah, as I said, very different ends of the spectrum. But Ale- Graham Alexander, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, two people who I've admired a lot. And just on, in terms of games, I'd say one that springs to mind in particular, we've got all the Premier League ones, but I was on a game, Burnley 4, Preston 3, under Brian Laws, not the most adored of managers, it must be said, but um, <laughs> I think it, it was on it was on BBC 1, actually, or BBC 2, I'm not sure which one it was, uh, when the BBC had rights to the Championship, and I was on the game live, It was th- Preston were 3-1 up with about 15 minutes to go, then they got a player sent off because of a ridiculous, it was a really silly decision from the referee, I think he booked a player for time-wasting, and he, re- he didn't really didn't seem like he was. Anyway, they went down to 10 men. And then in the last 10, 15 minutes, Burnley got three goals to win 4-3. And 
it was one of the best, still remains one of the best comebacks I've ever seen from from my club. It was phenomenal. It was a derby as well. Preston's a local Lancashire derby, and it was an absolutely incredible uh, game to to be on live to to see. Tremendous, tremendous comeback. So I'll go for that one. There's a few others that spring to mind, but I've, I think I've wrote about them uh, on the piece that I did for Marvel. So that one springs to mind as one that I haven't written about that was amazing. Uh, quite a while ago and in terms of people that I've met or, or, or whatever um, I remember ages ago so going back quite a while now when I was at high school so this is a long time ago there was a convention where the Burnley chairman came in with Danny Ings and Tom Heaton and Danny Ings and Tom Heaton stopped behind for autographs to chat with some of us take photos I remember getting photos with both and autographs with both and they were both amazing people but Tom Heaton was a really really nice guy I mean he's a really lovely man uh, actually seemed interested when the um, chairman was going through the financial figures of how to run a business and, and you know, he was asking questions, trying to keep everyone engaged. Um, right. Really, you know, he, he wasn't... Because, so, you know, you can imagine a footballer going, looking a bit bored for being there. It's not... I, even I'll admit, it wasn't the most interesting of conversations when someone's going through the financial figures to a group of kids, you know, in year nine or year 10, I can't remember. And, um, he, he, you know, he's sort of saying how to run a business the kids I'm, I'm gonna be honest most of the kids just wanted to see the footballers but tom heaton was there and he was he was encouraging it he was there, he was asking the right questions he was a really really nice guy afterwards having a little chat with everyone a real really good person and from what i gathered when he left burnley it was with a heavy heart and a lot was sad to see him leave because he was the captain He's someone who who was a fan favourite, a squad favourite, and I think the manager really liked him as well. So it was nice to a nice memory to have to to have photos with us at a young age as well, um, and to um, to talk with two people who were key figures in your football team. It was really nice. That was a nice moment. Wow, that's incredible. I think you won, James. You you had Gianfranco Zola, to be fair. So I'll, I'll let you. No, I'll, 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 I'll let. It kind of helps that I support that I support Chelsea. You know, it, so I'm going to. No, yeah. it 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 does it, it it is nice to be fair. Uh, it's nice actually. There was there was on a slight on a slightly different note before we finish. I was in when I was in Shenzhen. Um, there was a man when we were watching. I was watching the England rugby final with a group of um people I came up with, and we were in a bar, an expat bar with South Africans and English people alike. And um, they a man came over and I was wearing a Burnley shirt. He says, "Is that a Burnley shirt?" I said, "Yes." He said, "Oh," he says, "Uh," he says, "Oh, I'll let me get you a pint." I says, "Okay." So he got me a pint and they sat down with us. He's, I don't know, he's in his late thirties, I think. And then my group of friends, he said, "Oh, we've got to go to a party." And I, I actually wasn't on that. I, I was just meeting up with them because um, I hadn't seen them in a while, so I wasn't invited to this party. I didn't know whose party it was. I said, "Okay, bye. I'll stay with this guy." Then, so this guy's there. He's a Burnley fan. He just bought me a pint. I thought that's very nice. Uh, it turns out the guy who uh, bought me a pint was a millionaire. <laughs> um, he was a millionaire. Uh, who and he was on a business trip in, in in Shenzhen and he the fact that I was wearing a Burnley shirt uh, attracted him over to me got me a pint got me food got me another pint and another one and he kept going until midnight he was you know buying me all these little items only for the sole fact that I had a Burnley shirt on and um, you know I got him on LinkedIn I thought yeah I'll get a job I don't think he remembers me now but um, it was a, it was a nice um, it was a very nice moment uh, that the fact that I was a Burnley fan the fact that I was showcasing my colours um, meant that I got uh, free drinks and free food all night in on the other side of the world it was quite a surreal experience that never ever so I, I wore the shirt again actually uh, and then I got someone else co come up to me, and, he, and I, the problem, the problem was I could tell straight away they weren't a millionaire. They says, "Oh, you're a Burnley fan." I thought, mm, "I'm not going to get the same look twice." But moral of the story is never be afraid to wear your colours wherever you go. 
and uh, maybe one time you'll meet a, a millionaire who'll just buy you things all night and treat you like a superstar. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds a great story. Wow. It wasn't Gianfranco Zola, though, so you're still winning, you know. He's, yeah, I'll, give you, I'll give, you, give you the pinnacle. Yeah, Franco Zola was, was, was actually the assistant manager of Chelsea at the time. So. Oh, was this under Sa- um, Maurizio Sarri, then? It was last year, yeah. 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 It was last year. Fairly recent, then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, there you go. Some some positivity to end a not-so-positive discussion on sort of where football may be going in these uncertain times. Hopefully, you can still hold on to those memories, I guess, in terms of w- all the joy it's provided with the, to you over the years. Because it's going to provide a lot more joy in the coming years, but right now, I suppose it's not really the time to um to 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 throw it back into our adjust it back into action we need time we need some patience we need to um we need to find resolutions and resolve everything that needs to be resolved we hope that we can get um covid19 sorted as soon as possible but there's no time scale on it if it takes months it takes months what we want is for this disease to be um out of the window we want society to slowly find its way back to some kind of normality whatever that normality may be and then after all that's happened we can look forward to having many 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 more years of football to look forward to and i'm sure that's a thought that we could all cling on to uh, for the time being so i suppose that's it from me and uh hopefully we'll see you hear from you or yeah. uh, you'll listen to us very soon again so uh have a stay safe everyone and uh yeah. have a stay safe, everyone yeah. have a good quarantine if you can